welcome to another episode of the Good News Cast. Jeff is putting on his headphones at the moment. Um, I'm here. I'm here. We today we're going to talk about the idea. Well, before we hit record, sometimes when we want to figure out what to talk about, well, we've been asking the question a lot. Okay, what are people talking about? We're trying to go. What are you talking about? Whether you is what is a really cultural, big cultural topic across the country, or even just the people that we. Uh, our lives kind of traffic among in the church world or elsewhere. And so today I threw out the idea of, you know, being in the church world for a long time now, being in ministry for a while, a lot of people are seem to be to a certain degree kind of perpetually talking about their church in an evaluate, uh, in an evaluative, is that a word Mm -hmm. in an evaluative sense? And I don't mean that in a bad way. I just mean that kind of like naturally, like it's pretty natural for us as people. I'm sure there's good in it. There's bad in it, whatever. Um, Where you're just kind of, there is an ongoing sense maybe, at least annually, where you at least think long and hard about something going on at your church. Yeah. Uh, Maybe it could be you're perpetually thinking my church is the best church ever and my church can beat up your church or... That's usually what happens here. What's... uh, common as well though is the sense of evaluating in the sense of like do i still like this church do i still want to be at this church and do i agree with that decision that was just made or this direction we're going or do i like the music do i like the preaching do i like the fact that our service is this long or whatever that's kind of natural for all of us to be doing about our churches um so want to just kind of riff uh, a little bit on that today um and I'll, I'll, let me start with this and I'll throw it to Jeff in sure. our membership class and, and the kind of an age old joke in the church world is if you ever find a perfect church, move on. If you ever find the perfect church, keep going. I say this in our membership class, just move right along because you're going to go in and screw it all up. Yeah. Right. So if you find a perfect <laughs> church, move on. And even as we were talking, I realized, you know, that's probably not the best that uh, way to say what you're trying to say with that because everyone's like, yeah, no, I'm not looking for the perfect church. Like everyone knows there's not a perfect church. The church is full of sinners. So to a certain degree, everybody knows like there's going to be messed up things in the church and in people's lives. Um, but I, it occurred to me just now that I thought, I wonder if what we should start saying is something more along the lines of, uh, if you ever find your church, yeah. um, or, or something like this, maybe even stop looking for your church, the church that you've imagined in your mind and you've dreamed up that really only exists in Narnia. Stop looking for that church because, number one, that church just probably doesn't exist. Yeah. And too often we have found that when you will not give up that search for your church and the church that's in your mind that you think would just be green grass all the time, a lot of times what it ends up is, is like you and three of your friends start that little home church in your living room, right? Because none of the other hundreds of churches meet your standards. Yeah. Um, Before we hit record, and then I'll throw it to you. Yeah. uh, I think a lot of times what drives that idea of, I'm like looking for this church that I've imagined in my mind. And what a lot of times it leads people to do is perpetually be discouraged by their church because to say it hopefully on on target, it's never meeting your standards. Your church that you've imagined in your mind that I have imagined that I, I could draw up right now 
uh, I've never been to a church that meets all of those standards. Yeah. Um, and what I see happen a lot of times is that what it, what it leads to is a law-driven mentality with your church, a law-driven mentality, meaning I've got all these rules, standards, guidelines that I want met. And very quickly you find your church doesn't meet those standards. Um, and so you begin pushing those standards throughout the church and your relationships, whatever it might be. Um, and, and if they're not met, like I said, you see people pull off and they church shop for a while until finally you hear and they're like, yeah, me and my friends started like a little home church in our living room, you know? And you're like, yeah, because you could only find like three people that completely agree with you. Yep. So you do church with them. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, Feel free to riff on that a little bit of the concept of, of I guess, maybe the pitfalls mm-hmm. of trying to look for the quote-unquote perfect church. Yeah, in mind. I've got so many thoughts. I'll try to pull out a couple here. One is um, uh, spirituality is not personality. Personality is not spirituality. I think that's a major piece to mm-hmm. this. Uh, personalities uh, and giftedness is a cluster, and that cluster uh, becomes a lens by which you see church and see others and see the church that's most preferable to you is through the lens of your personality and your giftedness. Uh, and that's not necessarily a sign of anything. Mm-hmm. If Edwards was here, he'd say it's not a certain sign. It's a thing, but it's not a certain sign. Spirituality is much different. Spirituality comes from a life being built around the gospel. It comes uh, from learning to build your messy life and relationships around the gospel. So it brings in this uh, redemptive pattern and it brings in this repenting faith continuum that never stops. So you're ever growing in wisdom and ever growing in the gospel moving into unevangelized areas of your life and unevangelized areas of your personality and your giftedness. Uh, and therefore it becomes uh a lens that is, as the Bible would say, getting wiser. So for instance, let's just get really, really practical. Um, I did some training at a mega church about, oh, about five years ago, just on uh, giftings and how to put up some systems. And one of the things, so this is a mega church, they've worked with, you know, thousands of people and they created this system based on their experience, ministry experience of thousands and thousands of people. And they would start it like this. They'd say to, they, they began to see a certain pattern would happen as people would cycle into the church and then cycle out of the church, leave the church. And they would do these like exit interviews because they're a mega church and they'd ask them what's going on. And it would usually go like this. They'd ask the, a group of people. So uh, what was your favorite small group experience? And then they'd listen to that person talk, and usually it, it revolved around three things. One person would say, oh, it was when we were opening up the Word and breaking the Word together and studying the Scriptures together, and it was the best thing. And then we came to this church or we came to this small group, and uh, and that wasn't happening, right? And then someone else, though, would come in and say, oh, the best small group was when we were relationally connecting, making friends and developing deep relationships and talking about meaningful stuff and learning to do life together, right? And then they would go to a different small group, and that small group wasn't like that. Then another person would come in and say, well, man, it was like 
this group was such missionally minded people. We were so missionally minded. We were doing things and serving and serving the church and volunteering. And we were volunteering in the community and doing ministry in the community. We were uh, reaching people and it had this missional mindset. And then I got into this small church. I got into this small group and it wasn't like that. And what this church began to realize is that there's usually a personality and a gift cluster in those three areas. Right. And if you look at the Bible, you'll see it too. And so what happens is, is they started being more intentional in their small groups of putting people together, not with the same personality and gift cluster. So all you Bible study people get together, all you relational people get together, and all you missional people get together, D, doing people, they began to realize that they needed each other to complement each other. And then you put that, that's one thought that's going through my mind is that what people end up doing is they're looking through the lens of their personality and their giftedness and certain traditions and certain churches attract those gift clusters and those personality clusters. When I was in campus ministry, um, the only demographic personality gift cluster we attracted because we were all about hardcore mission, it was only missional people, it was only type A people. Uh, and everything else was subservient to that. Our, our, our staff teams, our leadership teams were all like highly achieving, successful, driven people. Um, and that's great, but that's not healthy. Mm -hmm. Uh, you're not reaching the totality of Christ's Mm -hmm. body and Mm -hmm. church and the world, right? Mm -hmm. Um, so then there's another guy that come in. So I got that piece and then I read another book of someone in our tradition. So this mega church was sort on our tradition. It was the newly reformed, young reformed and restless. They were called at the time. And then this other guy comes in and he says, listen, I tell, uh, people coming to churches and going to churches, listen, you're going to join a church and you're going to feel, uh, really good about your church for a while. And it's the honeymoon period. And then all of a sudden you're not, you're going to start seeing more things you disagree with, more things that you're uncomfortable with, more quote and air quotes concerns, right? And he would tell people the reason why you do is because you're looking at the church through the lens of your gifting. And when you start looking through the lens of your gifting, you're going to see the areas that you're gifted and your personality is wired for, and you're going to see where it's missing in the church. And then they would say, now you have a decision to make. You either grumble and become a complainer and become a divisive person within the church, or you realize that's why I'm part of the body. I'm actually meant to be the eye and that gifting is meant to be the ear and the nose and the hand, whatever. And to actually now work with, and I would say very rarely do I see people go through that maturity process to be able to see that they have a personality gift cluster, which is the way they see church, the way they see the world, but they don't need to be around other people like that and critique people that aren't like that. They need to recognize there's, they need to be a part of and complement a team. And that's moving towards maturity. And I would say, my last thing I'm gonna say here, only the gospel can take you through that process and do it in a redemptive way. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you're gonna treat it like the law and you're only gonna be able to see 
your personality and your gift cluster in a right or wrong way, in a moralistic way, like you're going to moralize it and think it's better or superior. And those that aren't like that are less than. Mm -hmm. And that's when you confuse spirituality and personality. So I think this is a lot to say how the gospel informs us, helps us on top of personality and gift clusters that are very, very real. You know, it, this can happen. Well, I think a lot of what you just said, you know, almost in summary kind of gets to how the bottom line is a lot of times we think through, we including you and me here recording this podcast, we think through church just most naturally through just like who we are. And, yep. you know, um, I don't necessarily know if this is true, I guess, but I could see this even like on the dating scene. I could see people being you know, like, what do you want in a spouse? Like they might end up describing someone just like them. Yeah. Right. It's like, I want someone who likes <laughs> to walk on the beach because I do. And yeah. I want someone who likes to read because I like to read, you know, and um, someone who's active, <clears throat> someone who's chill, someone. Yeah. We just naturally think through things through like who we are and what we prefer and what we like and whatever. Um, that at least that's kind of like our North star. It's like our orbit just kind of revolves back to that. If we don't really discipline ourselves to, to try to think through things biblically and more specifically through a gospel lens. And by that, I mean the lens of the reality of grace, Yeah, you know, that Jesus loves high performing churches just as much as he loves really low performing churches. And, Mm -hmm. uh, he loves churches with a, better reality of holiness and sanctification than churches, you know, like the Corinthians, you know, and right. um, So, but one thing I was going to say a a second ago is when I kind of started out saying, you know, obviously this is kind of focusing on like how the the negative can occur. Like when you bring a law driven mindset to the church, meaning, you know, I've got these standards that you need to meet. And most of the time those are our preferential standards. Yeah. Personality gifts. um, They come from somewhere, right? Yeah, so Values, it's like, I've yeah. got a preference for how X, Y, and Z should unfold. Mm-hmm. It's not found in the Bible. It's just like what I think is best. It can also go the direction of it can be a very positive experience for you too. Because when you do find that church that seems to check a lot of those boxes for you, a lot of times I think Christians subconsciously, unintentionally, whatever, can kind of stamp that church as the best church. Like I've done this in my life. Yeah. You know, uh, I was at a church for years that I just thought was like the number one, you know, it was like, we can beat everyone up, all the other churches up and like, we're on the honor roll kind of a thing. And it's like, we're the best, like we're doing it. We know what's going on. Yep. Um, I remember, uh, when I was on my way out of that church, talking to someone about church planting, uh, the church I was a part of big church planting church. Um, and I was talking about church planting and they very genuinely said like other churches church plant. And, uh, and I remember thinking like, yeah, you know, but it was, it was this church that I was a part of just, it was easy for a lot of people to just think like, we're this the only it. ones doing it. Yeah. You know, we're the only ones like living out the Bible. Right. And then at another church, you could be like, we're the only ones doing theology, you know, and we're the only ones doing community and we're the only ones doing prayer, you know, so it can actually go positive as well, where yeah. you think like your church is the absolute best. But the point there is, I think that 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 law dominated mindset, it always ends badly. You either end super disappointed all the time in your church, um, always evaluating it, or you live like 
essentially pridefully and egotistically about your church and, um, and you know, you're the only thing going on. Yeah. So I know for me, it's like, uh, I think that obviously we bring the word of God to evaluate every church and, you know, we can break this down in law and gospel. Does this church preach the law and uphold the law and seek to follow the law? Mm-hmm. Like, of course, if a church, if you're like, they've abandoned the 10 commandments and like they're killing people and nobody's repenting, you know, okay, yeah. that's not a biblical church. Like that's not, um, <clears throat> so we bring the law. Do they believe and preach and, uh, and seek to uphold the law with that? Are they repenting daily that they're aware that they're not fulfilling the law of God, even as Christians? And are they believing the gospel? Um, so we bring the word of God to bear, but when it comes to a mindset, um, we can't have a law dominated law driven mindset. I'm convinced with the church, right? We can have non-negotiables 100%. Like they deny the virgin birth. I'm out. You know, uh, they deny grace alone. I'm out. Like we have standards 100%. We have negotiables. We have non-negotiables. There is a place where you draw the line. Sure. I'm just talking about in a healthy Christian church that has orthodox beliefs and believes the gospel and all these things, um, within that kind of church, you still, you have to have a gospel dominated mindset. Yeah. That is, you're going to get to the point where you're just like, you know, our, this is a very popular mindset among a lot of Christians, like our music is terrible. Right. Or, um, I don't like the personality of our pastor or whatever it is. Yeah. You in that moment have to be able to go, that's okay. Like Jesus loves this church as much as he loves the church with like the all-star band. <laughs> and right. he he doesn't play favorites in that way. And so if that's how Jesus feels about these people in this church and this organization, that's how I'm going to feel. Yeah. You know, and you know, and if that doesn't work, it's just like just remember the grass is always greener on the other side. Without a doubt. <laughs> you know? Always. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a, that, those are the two ways I see it play out. When you bring a law-dominated mindset, always evaluating your church, you're either going to become egotistical about your church or you're going to become really despairing. And if you choose the gospel route, you have a chance at running the marathon with that local church. Yeah, going you know? deeper and... Yes, overcoming conflict and yep. conflict with your friend next to you, conflict with your pastor, conflict with like, I don't agree with my entire, the entire elder team on this decision, but you're able to take like a hundred of those things that annoy you. And to a certain degree, like as long as they don't cross that like legit non-negotiable negotiable line, almost in a sense, just like roll them up and move on. Yeah. You know, like, and, and maybe God has a part for you to play in it. Sure. Um, but otherwise it's just like, yeah, every year there's probably going to be 50 things that annoy me and like in one ear out the other. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, if you were really to sit down and think about yourself and how annoying yourself is that you got to live with yourself. Right. So now you're going to live with, uh, other people just apart from even sin, just differences, personality, gender, again, gift clusters. I mean, it's amazing. And that's, been the apologetic for many have been saying, in fact, a lot of church history experts would say there has to be a God and there has to be the grace of God because that's the only way this thing called the church could have survived right. this long. Because right. surely it's not because of the people. Right. 
Surely it's not because of the philosophy of ministry of that church. Surely it's not because of... So I hear what you're saying. I think they're the only way... um, And again, gift clusters and personalities are great. That's the way God made us, and that's part of the body. I mean, it legit, there's different parts of the body. That's legit. Um, But it is, if you push the metaphor that Paul talks about, it grows up out of the gospel, and it only holds together because of the gospel. Now, objectively, you're united Christ, you're united to each other, but let's just talk about experientially, functionally. This thing only is healthy as it grows in the gospel. If the gospel does not animate, energize, and is the oxygen and engine of it, it will never work. Because what will happen is some thing will be replace the gospel, be a substitute, and it's usually some form of work and some form of law that we create. And it could be God's law, uh, or it could be some self-manufactured mm-hmm. one, um, like your personality or your gifting or the way this is done. Um, and you will find like-minded people that will agree with you, and you can form a church that way. And you can find like-minded people that agree with you and form a movement that way. Uh, but it'll get smaller and smaller because you will continue to find newer and newer laws mm-hmm. and less and less agreement. And then dividing walls are everywhere, and it's really, really hard to maintain real redemptive relationships mm-hmm. apart from the gospel being the animating center. And I'm also puzzled, too, that when when I think about the gospel and believing it, and Jesus says, you want to know what the work is? That everybody was pushing him about doing the work. And he says, you want to know what the work is? Believe in me. Mm-hmm. That's amazing what he's saying. <laughs> I mean, he's basically saying, uh, this is not a small thing to believe in me in your marriage. It's not a small thing to believe in me when you suffer. It's not a small thing to believe in me in the way you handle sex and the way you handle your money and the way you actually look at other people in different races. It's not a small thing. It's actually everything. And we think uh, being told to have our quiet time is the big deal. We think uh, being told to do this and that is like, cutting edge and the gospel believing jesus and his salvation putting on the armor of god right in all of life uh is everything it's not a small thing Mm -hmm. and if you think you've got that down and you need more uh you've completely missed the boat Mm -hmm. and um paul's word to the church at galatia and his word, as we're looking at the word in Ephesians, you want to be a healthy Christian and a healthy church? Learn to build your messy life around believing in Jesus and his salvation, mm-hmm. the grace of God. Um, everything else will make you incredibly unhealthy, toxic, metallic, and even like in the passage we're going to look at this Sunday, you lose your mission. You're not a salt and light anymore when that happens, which is amazing because in the name of wanting to be impactful and having an impact apart from the gospel, you don't have one. Mm-hmm. I have other thoughts, but we're out of time. Uh, hopefully this is helpful, guys. Hopefully it's encouraging. Bring a grace mindset to your church, whatever church that is. Uh, bring grace. Bring mercy to that church. All right.